You are now listening to episode six of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. All right, guys, we are getting real today. For some of you, this may serve as the wake-up call that you needed or wanted to start living and experiencing your very best life. But for others of you, it might really chap your you-know-what. And, you know, I'm okay with that because it is the most frustrating thing to go into a new year or a new season of life so excited for growth and change only to have life happen and to fall completely short of it. And I can't tell you how many resolutions that I've set that I haven't lived up to. Actually, I don't think I can think of a single one that I've stuck to and totally rocked for an entire year. Maybe you can, but I absolutely can't. So this is my episode dedicated to giving you the tools and the perspective that you need to crush the next year of your life. Whether you're catching this live when it first launches right before we tap into 2019, or you're getting this in the middle of the year, it doesn't matter. This is about focusing on the next year of your life, no matter where you are today. And the good news is that we're simplifying things so that you feel empowered and on top of your goals and your vision for your life. Today's episode is sponsored by my seven-day Ditch Your Day Job Planner. Over the last seven years, I've researched, I've worked alongside some of the best leaders in different industries and learned all about what it takes to create a life of freedom and fulfillment. And I've compiled the knowledge, the experience, the tools, and the how-tos into a seven-day course that is specifically designed for the go-getter who is ready to lay that groundwork for breaking out of their nine-to-five day job and bringing their idea, their passion, their purpose, or their business to life. Whether you haven't even gotten anything off the ground yet or you want to go next level in what you've already created, you will spend seven days with me building out your plan to be able to ultimately ditch your day job. This is the blueprint. I have been there. I was stuck in that cubicle life. I had this aching that I knew I was made for something more and was being called to take some major, major leaps in my life. My only regret was not starting sooner. So I wish so desperately that I had something like this to speed up my process from day one. And I am doing something extra special for my listeners too. You are going to get early VIP access to my seven-day Ditch Your Day Job Planner, and that means you get it at my limited time VIP pricing too. So you're going to get over 50% off just because you're my people, and I totally want to see you live your dreams. Now on to the show. If you're catching this episode when it first launches... We are closing out 2018, and we're about to welcome a new year. And if you're catching this episode later, we're still going to be walking you through how to thrive for the next year and beyond of your life in the areas that matter most to you. But here's the gig. I said we're going to get real first, right? And I want to get that part out of the way. And if you don't want to repeat history You have got to make the conscious choice to be intentional and change the present. We stake claim in being the smartest creatures on the planet, but why is it that we close out every year and welcome every new year the exact same way? We eat ourselves into a borderline diabetic coma as we get super excited leading up to the first of the new year when we finally allow ourselves an opportunity for change and we have to wait for that new year before we do it. And then we set our resolutions and we get super pumped up about them. And then we fizzle out and we live yet another year like we did the years prior. Are we total gluttons for punishment? (laughs) Are we just stupid? Are we ignorant? Are we limited? Or are we just living without that conscious awareness and intention that we're going to talk about today? So in an attempt to make 2019 or the next year of your life truly different and truly incredible, we are hitting on what needs to happen to get a different end result. Go figure. What if, picture this, this year we didn't set 
some short-sighted resolution or goal, but we started to play the long game and we thought about the big picture of our lives. And instead of some resolution that represents something we need to change or fix about ourselves or something that we've tried and failed at before, we set something that empowers us and keeps us in a state of momentum because that's what's going to bring us forward in areas like wealth, health, and happiness. So first things first, in order to do the things you want to do, live the way you want to live, accomplish the things you want to accomplish, we have to become the people that are capable and deserving of those things. And when I first started mentoring people through this kind of process, I would talk to them about their goals and their vision for their future, what they wanted, what their one-year goals were, and I played the role of the cheerleader. I believe in you no matter what. You deserve all of all of those things. And it was like that everyone gets a trophy mentality. And I think there's power, huge power in believing in people even before they believe in themselves. But as time went on, I realized I was actually doing my clients and my students a massive disservice by telling them they were completely deserving of something that they weren't willing to work for or work through to get there. And it's not to say that they don't deserve amazing things in their lives because they do, I do, you do. But Were they actually in a place in that moment in time that made them deserving of those things coming to fruition? Because I don't want to disillusion anyone into thinking that you just cheer them on and you just set the goal and you just have the vision and it magically happens. I remember this time in my life as a new mom. We had had our first baby, Jack, so elated and so grateful to be starting our family as parents. And our little boy came into the world exactly as he remains today as a a three-and-a-half-year-old, loud (laughs) and intense and incredible in so many ways, but tough. Like, he knows how to challenge his mom and his dad. And Jack was super colicky as a baby. And no exaggeration, it was at least three months of like complete sleeplessness. And I do not function well. You can, my husband will vouch for this as someone running on zero sleep. It's not something I'm proud of. If I could change one thing about myself, I would be someone who could just operate with a ton of energy and no sleep, but that's not me. So, At the time, my husband was still working full-time in corporate, so I was home, just Jack and I. But the thing was, he wasn't one of those babies that was just up all night crying. During the day, constantly crying. And it was the hardest thing as a new mom because I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. Like, I felt like I was out of control. I wasn't able to even help my own baby. And three months went by, and I still remember the first time that he went 10 straight minutes without crying. 10 minutes, and we celebrated. I thought that that was like a major milestone. I thought all babies cried that much. But at the same time, I had this brand new baby and running on no sleep and running a business that was supporting my family. And I had outsourced a bunch of things for my business so I could take a little time off. And all these things went wrong with the stuff I outsourced. And I had lost connection with a lot of my friends because I was so entrenched in either work or Jack or being so exhausted. And I didn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, I now know that I had pretty severe postpartum depression. All these things were kind of hitting at once. And I felt totally defeated. And right around that time, someone recommended a book to me. And I was like, oh, really? You want me to read a book? I'm like cross-eyed. I can't even see straight. I'm not going to making to sit down and like enjoy a book. So I got it on Audible because I figured, okay, at least like when I'm walking around bouncing Jack or in those little pockets where he does sleep, I can listen to this. And that book changed everything for me. This book, Extreme Ownership, written by two Navy SEALs, was like the wake-up call that my sorry butt needed. And I've never been more intoxicated by a book or its substance than when I listened to that thing. And up to that point in my life, I'd lived my first 27 years with very little awareness that I was choosing to live my life as a victim. It was just ingrained in who I was. What I experienced in my childhood, it was real. The personal struggles I faced 
into adulthood were real. The heartache, the pain, the seemingly impossible circumstances I was dealt, they were real. Every single one of those things that I encountered in my life, including this phase of my life where my son was really colicky and I fell short of really big business milestones and all that work I had outsourced, like I'd wasted all this money and it all went wrong and I had no energy and I was really defeated. All those things, they were really real, but never once had it occurred to me to ask myself the one question that I needed to focus on most. What am I going to do about it? Because all those circumstances throughout my life, every single one I reacted the only way I knew how, which was to feel those emotions associated with each circumstance or sometimes to bury them and then let them affect me accordingly. It was the crappy cards I was dealt and that was why I was in that situation. It was the person that wronged me and that was why I was in that situation. It was the bad luck or the fussy child or the sleepless nights. None of it was my doing. None of it was something I could take ownership for because it never even occurred to me to do it. So when I was that new mom running a business, I had my first speaking gig coming up in front of 10,000 people. I had postpartum depression. I had a colicky baby. I was on my own each day. I had no sleep. Those things They felt like they were just the cards I was being dealt, like I couldn't control them. And I felt trapped in that season and was waiting for things to shift in that season of life to change. And we waste so much precious time living like that, just waiting to get through something or waiting for something to change. But in reading that book, it was the biggest donkey kick of reality to my gut. Oh my God, I need to take ownership of this. Yes, we do get dealt really crappy cards sometimes. Things happen to us that we cannot control. However, this is our life on the line. Imagine if you go into another year setting new goals and new resolutions and don't take the time to do things differently. Imagine instead if we took 100% ownership of each day, each struggle, each burden, each challenge, and we made a choice to show up for all of it. Instead of just reacting to it, to take ownership for it first to say, what am I going to do about this? If we turn that finger that we have only ever pointed outward at every circumstance or person that has wronged us and turned it inward and point that finger back at ourselves and say, okay, it's go time. What's my challenge here? What am I stepped up to the plate to do? And when you have two Navy SEALs who have been on the front lines of battle and have seen it all, and they're talking about these circumstances that they could absolutely point a million fingers anywhere but themselves, but they are taking ownership for it, it really pushes you to do the same. All of those reasons that you fail and choose not to get back up, is that true? Is that narrative true? Or is it the narrative that you tell yourself to justify why you aren't showing up? Is it true or is it just really freaking hard and you don't want to deal with it? Or do you like playing the victim card? Is that a comfort zone for you? These are all things we have to become self-aware of because for me, that was a comfort zone. That was my warm, fuzzy blanket. If I could martyr myself or say, oh, this happened to me, poor me, it gave me this sense of comfort, comfort of like, this is out of my control. This isn't my fault. Look at what happened to me. And I don't have to take credit for the bad stuff. I can just wait until the good stuff happens and take credit for that. So before we set new goals and wealth, health, happiness, whatever else, will you just do this with me? Will you take full ownership of the next 365 days? And remember that this is a practice. We have to practice this. I've tried to do this multiple times and fallen short, and I have to continually practice it and remind myself and reread this book that this is a choice to make this my new way of living. I don't want to be a victim anymore because victims don't thrive. And in reading that book and adopting this new way of living, all of a sudden my life was my own again. Even the bad stuff, I could own it and I could control what I was going to do next. My outcomes were on me, no matter what curveballs I was thrown or failures that I experienced along the way. And this isn't just a way of thinking, it's a way of living, and it's how I'm choosing to live, how I mentor my clients who want the most out of their lives, and how I'm raising my children, even when the rest of the world will continue to play it small. So do this, and you will rise above any and all competition, because so 
few people do. If you're not where you want to be financially, personally, in your marriage, with your children, with your health, in your business, in terms of those amazing dreams that you can see in your mind's eye, it's time to start living each day, asking what active role you can play in your own life to change it. Active. No more living passively. No more casually setting goals and resolutions. You are a fire. And we are going to start acting like it. And those past narratives that have been dictating how you live or how you don't live, it's time to change them because you can do this, you will do this, and you can own this. Okay, so in episode two, if you remember, we talked about casting the vision for your business in your life, and that ties directly with this. So if you haven't caught that episode, you want to go back and listen to it too, because it's going to serve you. And there are actually freebies in the show notes that our exercises that are going to help you through this process. So before we let the emotion or excitement of going after a resolution or a goal get the best of us, we're going to slow down and identify what we really want and why. Are we just picking that thing because it sounds glamorous? Like, oh, okay, 2019, I'd like to make a million bucks or get that promotion or lose 50 pounds. Or are we choosing it with intention and an understanding of what you want and what effort is required of you to get there? Don't choose something that's not worth fighting for for you. Don't choose something that is just about fixing yourself. Like that doesn't feel good. That's not going to excite you to fight for. And when we pick these resolutions or we pick these goals, it's not that we can't pick things that are challenged, that are going to be hard. But when we pick them and we think we're going to get there because we're struck with this lightning bolt of motivation right in the beginning of the new year, and that's going to be enough to carry us. I call that the start of falling in the expectation pit, and we fall flat on our face if we're excited by the goal or the shiny object or the idea, but not the road that we're going to be on to get there. And there are a few tools and tactics that I'm going to recommend to help you do this, and it's what I do to close out each year and start the next one. And I reevaluate this process every quarter because I'm human and I don't always get this right and I need to course correct. And that's why checking back in on these things as we go, allows us to not totally fizzle out in the process. So the first, it's going to sound kitschy, but it works. There's a reason that Olympic athletes use visualization as one of their main tools to becoming successful athletes. Like they claim it is just as important to sit and envision themselves crossing that finish line, their arms up in the air with that triumphant feeling of success as it is to be on the front lines training every day, like physically training. So the first step is that visualization process and the vision board. And back in the beginning, when we started this episode, I talked about the idea of thinking beyond just this year. Like, I think sometimes we operate like, what are my goals for this year? And then we get to the end of the year and we're like, oh, we didn't hit them. I'll just set new ones for next year. And we repeat that stupid process over and over and over again. Instead of looking at all right, how do I want my life to look three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And we create a vision board that is very visual, not just like, we're not 10, okay? Don't go get teen magazine and cut out a bunch of words that like make you feel happy for five seconds, like empowered and, you know, whatever. Like actually cut out pictures and images and they can even have you in them that like speak to your heart, whether it's that house you know you want to raise your children in. I just got an awesome email today from a woman who I'm working with who said, you know, I want my child to have that amazing life I had. Like I have memories of riding my bike to my grandfather's farm and playing outside and all those things. And, you know, we just don't have that right now for my son. So I'm going to have her put that on her vision board, like make it so tangible Because you want to start to picture where you ultimately want to go. Yes, this year, but also for the long term. Don't think one year is a flash in the pan. It's here and it's gone. Can you even believe we're closing out another year? Thankfully, I'm not aging. That's good news. I'm still the same age as I was 10 years ago, even though the years are passing. But create that vision board in a way that's powerful to you and meaningful to you and speaks to you and you can put it in places throughout your house or in your car or on your bathroom mirror where you see it and it it lights you up and it reminds you why you're showing up for the hard work that it takes to get there. The next thing I want you to do is focus on your big three. We set like crazy to-do lists, task lists, goal lists, 
And they just, one, they don't speak to us because they're not really in alignment with who we are and our values and our priorities in life. But it also just is daunting. Like, do we really want just this long list of stuff that we're trying to accomplish versus what are those big three things in your life that if you check these boxes, if you bring these things to life, write that book, start that podcast, start that business, get that business to six figures, earn your first million dollars, focus on your marriage fully this year, whatever it is. There are these big buckets that you know if you're doing the tasks, because there will be task lists, if they are in alignment with those big three, you're on the right track. The third thing is work from a single planner. (laughs) Take this from someone who has struggled with organization. You guys know that if you listen to my third episode all about how to organize your life. I am the type that has 8 billion sticky notes, three different planners, puts stuff in her phone, uses different apps, or I used to do that, and I couldn't keep track of anything, and nothing felt in order, and I never really knew what I was supposed to be focusing on, and my thoughts were in too many different places that I couldn't keep track of them. So use one planner, one notebook, or, you know, do things online, whatever works for you, but pick one place. And even though we're going to be looking big picture, we're going to be looking at the whole year, we're going to be thinking about where we want to be three to five to 10 years from now, as we start to align this process, I like to work too from a 90-day rolling calendar. And so I have my year-long planner and I have the big projects that I want to check off throughout the year and the things that I want to accomplish and, and the goals and the visions. But then I work in segments of three months at a time. So like my schedule isn't totally booked out for three months. I still leave pockets of time where I can schedule things in that aren't planned that far ahead. But I know when I'm launching podcasts or when I'm batching content or when I have a program or a course launching or when I'm scheduling calls with my clients, like I have this 90-day rolling calendar so that I can look out ahead and one, be in control of my schedule and make sure that it's in alignment with my goals, my vision, my big three, all of that stuff. But two is that I can look at my calendar and say, wait a minute, one of my big three is to write that book this year. And I don't have blocked time to make that happen, to actually write the book that's missing from these next 90 days. I need to get that on there. So you can do the same thing. Like, let's say you're really prioritizing your health going into this next year of your life, but you haven't planned anything to ensure that that comes to life. We're going to talk a lot about that planning process is so huge. We can't just wing it when we're going for big things. And that's what leads to that expectation pit that I talked about that ultimately ends up being disappointment. The fifth thing is have a priority list. We kind of talked about this in previous episodes, but what's important to you? You know, you can make it a short list like your family and your business and your faith and those kind of things. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate and take you a lot of time, but you should know what things are most important to you. And if it doesn't line up with that, it doesn't go on your 90-day calendar. It doesn't go on your year-long calendar. You say no. So you know what fits what you're working towards, and then establish your routine. Guys, if you wake up every morning and the first thing you do is pick up your phone, you do not have a routine. You have other people and other things controlling how your day is going to go. As soon as you open up Instagram, as soon as you open up Facebook, your email, the news, your emotions have been dictated by what you've seen. You have other people commanding your time, and you have lost control of your day. So from the minute you wake up, start to establish that routine that is going to help you get to where you want to go. Self-awareness is so important. And if you are just gliding through life and allowing the wind to take you whichever way it blows that day, you are not going to achieve the dream. Not only are you not going to achieve the dream, you're not even going to achieve that goal. And one month into this new year commitment, you are going to be fizzling just like every other year prior. This is your chance to do it differently. You need a routine. 
So these are the more six kind of strategic ways of approaching and planning what you want to achieve and accomplish or breathe life into as far as projects or dreams or visions or goals. And this is going to be your circuit board to plan out all things wealth, health, and happiness and everything else. And it's where you operate and it's where you set the focus so you know what falls on your calendar and what is not allowed on your calendar. That's even more important sometimes than what you actually put on it. If it doesn't align with this year's vision, it doesn't make the cut. And if you're looking at your calendar or your vision board or your big three and all the other things we talked about, and you're not seeing enough of what's required of you to keep moving towards the goal, you'll know what needs to be added or nurtured. There there are going to be a lot of pulse checks in this process. This is not do this one time and you're good for the year. You need to keep checking back in, looking at your calendar. That's why I want everything in one place so you know exactly where to go to kind of take a pulse on this. So for example, when I do my priority list, I always have things related to my family on there, but I also have stuff related to my business and and business growth. So when I'm looking at my calendar and I see nothing new launching and no product development and no meetings to drive things forward, it's easy for me to see that I'm not honoring one of my priorities. And the opposite is true. If I'm all work and no play, I can do a little self-check and schedule in some time that's dedicated strictly to my family. And that's not to say I believe in total balance because I, I don't. I really don't. And that's something I really want to drill down in a future episode. There are seasons in life. Like we're gearing up for a new baby. And I expect my, my family and my personal health priorities to trump business for several months coming out of this birth. And I don't want balance there. I'm not seeking balance. But this is a good way to keep note of what needs more or less of your attention in your intention. This is the year that you become a doer. And it's funny because, hi, I'm a recovering dreamer and I didn't know how to take action in my life. And I felt this big shift in the last few years from dreamer to doer in my own life. And it's why certain things have actually come to fruition, like this podcast, or the courses I've created, or my website, or, you know, helping my one-on-one clients, or my network marketing business, all those different things. It's because I finally got to this place where I had told myself I'd hidden behind the veil of, oh, it needs to be perfect. B.S. That's called procrastination, not perfection. And it was dictated by my fears, my fears of failure, my fears of what other people thought, my fears of all the things, my insecurities, and got to this place where I was like, okay, wait a minute. I know I have a gift. And I had to keep affirming that. I had to keep reminding myself that calling I felt in my heart, even in the days that it felt really hard to believe. And I knew that if it remained in my heart, it would be of no service to the world, which means I would not be living out my purpose which means I would be slapping God right across the face because he gifted me and only me with this purpose, the same way he did for you. And I don't know what your purpose is, and maybe you're still trying to identify that, but here's the thing. Until you start to do, until you start to fail and then get back up and keep trying and trying new things and listening to that calling on your heart and learning new things and growing, you will never bring to life those gifts fully. And I had to get to this place. I listened to a podcast. It was on Amy Porterfield's podcast with the woman who does the Life Coach School podcast, Brooke Castillo. And she talked about doing B plus work. Maybe she even said B minus work. Stop thinking you have to have it all figured out and all perfect before you do it. It doesn't have to look just right. You can fix it as you go. You have to become a doer in your life. And all of a sudden, that was like, gave me permission to bring forth what I knew was on my heart. Even if it meant changing it as I went, even if it meant more work down the line, even if it meant not getting paid for it in the beginning, I had to get it out there. I had to prove to myself that one, failing is okay, and it's part of the process, and I cannot fear it. I have to embrace it. Two, I get to control, I get to take complete ownership of how I react to those failures and those struggles. And three, if I am not doing, I am dying. I am not creating, I am not living out my purpose, and I'm not figuring out what my next steps need to be. 
Okay, so I want to talk about wealth for a minute and what I mean by that. And we all have different, same way we have different definitions of success. I have different definition of wealth. And part of what I'm going to talk about today is the financial piece of wealth. And that is a little bit more of my focus because I've had a lot of people reaching out asking me to talk about this, the financial struggle and wanting to do certain things, but feeling, you know, incapable based on their debt or lack of resources or all of that. And we we all want to be more financially prosperous, right? But if there's one thing that I've learned about money, a lot of it is mindset. I used to live in this scarcity mindset when it came to money. And I remember every time I'd have a birthday or a holiday or family gave me cash, I would hide it in my little, it wasn't a piggy bank. (laughs) It was like this little safe that I had and I would collect it and I would be so afraid to spend it. And I had this scarcity mindset around money. But what I've experienced over the last handful of years is that the more you give, the more you get back. And that goes for both your money and your gifts. You have to be willing to continue to grow in those areas. And leading with a servant's heart in whatever you do will always lead to more abundance for you. And to be that person that checks off on their list of accomplishments, earn six figures, or double my income, or grow a million-dollar business, or get out of debt, You have to first become that person who believes that they can do that and that is ready for that. And also remember in terms of wealth, you better know why you want it. Because I know a lot of people who set that financial goal only to hit it and feel totally unfulfilled. So back that vision up with meaning that connects to you and your heart and your purpose and your vision, your long-term vision for your life. Rich and miserable is nothing to celebrate. So what tangible things can you do starting over the course of this year that become your habit and your way of life ongoing? Because this isn't just about what happens in the next 365 days. This is just the launching pad we're creating to help you become more in control of your finances and to grow your wealth. One, tracking. I'm going to say this for every category we talk about today. If you are not somehow keeping track of your money, your spending, your budget, and then when we bump into the category of health, your food, your water intake, your supplementation, your fitness regimen, if you're not tracking, how do you know how to gauge how you're doing? You are winging it, my friend. You are making a conscious choice to not take it as seriously as you claim you want to take it. So use the tools to track things like your budget, your spending your income, the output. If you're running a business, what's your overhead? Where are you spending your money? And is that money being spent wisely or frivolously? Where do you drop bucks here and there without even really attaching emotion or thought to it? Starbucks, Target. Target is a black hole for credit cards. You can't go in there without spending. I don't understand. It's amazing. They're, I don't know if it's their marketing. I need to learn from them. But every time I go in there, I come out and I look at the receipt and I'm like, wait, what? I came here for a pack of diapers for my one-year-old and I just spent $487 and I have no idea what's in my cart. So track it. Pay attention. Where are the areas where you're spending where you don't even think twice about it? Those are the most dangerous areas, the ones that are like these little spends that you don't think that it's adding up to anything. And then if you were to check it over the course of that year, you'd see, oh my God, I spent thousands of dollars on coffee. Things like that. There are tools, I think it's called Mint. There are different apps that make it really simple to track this kind of stuff. Depending on where you are and what you need, I'll make a few recommendations and you pick based on what's appropriate for you at this point. So we have been working with a financial advisor for a few years now. If you're in a place where you can afford to do that, do it. It is so valuable. The same reason that I hire people that are smarter than me to walk me through things like business growth and marketing and my health and my faith and my marriage I bring on people who are smarter than me in my finances because that's important. So we hire an advisor and he has a tool that we use to track our spending and our investments and giving and all of that stuff. But if it's not the right time to use an advisor for you, you might want a bookkeeper for your business. You might want to use an online resource. There are plenty available. Do some Googling. 
You can also just create your own budget. Like back in the day, before we could afford any of this stuff, my husband created a budget, an Excel spreadsheet, and we just tracked it on our own. You know, printed our credit card statements and paid attention that way. But another incredible resource is Dave Ramsey. Anything Dave Ramsey, I cannot recommend enough. He is such a gift to this world. And he comes from an angle that's not just like, I'm not a numbers person. I legit glaze over when my husband says, oh, I want to talk about the budget. I'm like, ugh, gag. I cannot stand it. Anything numbers, my brain shuts down. Dave Ramsey does it from such a human layman's side of things that makes it really easy to understand. And he has different programs that help you learn how to grow your wealth or get out of debt or budget your life or increase your wealth, all those different things. So he's an, he's an awesome resource. So look him up, look up his books, look up his courses, go to his events. So, so precious. We did his Financial Peace University back when I had started my business and we were both still working full time, but really wanting to focus on getting out of debt. And it served us tremendously. Another thing you can do is if you have either started your business or you run a business or you're an influencer or you want to start a business, now's the time to level up your product suite. You got to start looking at the bottom line, sister. If you feel like you're not bringing in the wealth you want, but you're spending time, you're spinning your wheels, or you have all these ideas, create products that people need and will pay for. Maybe it's an online course. Maybe it is some kind of coaching program. Maybe it is a website where people come and become a part of a community with you. Whatever it is, level up that product suite. Start doing your research. Figure out ways that you can bring in more income more quickly for you because that will help you get your head above water so you can start saving versus feeling like you're constantly scrambling. I remember that time in my life where I felt like I'd pay a bill and have just enough money to pay it and just like be even keel. And I was like, when do I get to start saving? And now we have college paid for for kids we don't even have yet. And it's so important to start thinking ahead and taking that financial burden off of yourself. And the last thing I'd say about wealth, no more being the victim. No more, I can't do that because I don't have the money or I have too many bills. Knock it off. What are you going to do about it? Take some ownership. I talk to people all the time who want my products and services and say, almost like they're asking me, like, if I'd consider giving it for free. Heck no. You have to take ownership of your life. It's not, I give and I give a lot and I find such a joy in giving, but I don't want to give to people who are unwilling to work for things themselves. It's not to say that I don't throw people a bone or believe in mercy, (laughs) not at all. But the people who come to me who still go get their nails done and still go out to dinner all the time and don't pay attention and don't have self-awareness and think that, you know, I may as well get another coffee because I'm already in such debt that it's not going to make any difference not getting that coffee. Like, I don't want to contribute to that problem. So you want something to change, you might have to go through a season of something really hard. When I was working full time and starting my business on the side, there was a season of such hustle and such grind and such exhaustion because I wanted to get out of that place. I didn't want to say anymore, I can't afford that, or that's not in the cards for me. There is no excuse why you can't start your own business. Everything can be monetized in this day and age. And if it's not coming through an online business or a network marketing business or a brick and mortar business, get creative. And maybe it means you're bartending on the weekends, even if you don't want to. There are seasons of life where you have to fight for what you want, that end result you want. So if you're sick of living like a victim when it comes to your finances, do something about it. And yes, I'm oversimplifying because we don't have eight hours to walk you through how to do that in this episode. But what I can tell you is that dream, that vision for something better, that opportunity to get out of the situation you're in, it might not happen overnight. It might be really freaking hard, but you know what's harder? Living this way forever.
You have not been plagued with a life sentence. No one is holding a gun to your head and telling you you have to live like this forever. Yes, I agree. Teachers do not make enough money for what they do. So what are they going to do about it? I have plenty of teacher friends who have started side businesses that pay them three or four times more than their teaching business. And it certainly didn't happen overnight or without some serious sweat equity, but you are capable. Okay, health. You guys know this is a topic I'm passionate about because without our health, we have very little. So since we dove into this way deeper in episode number four, I'm going to touch on how to bring more focus to health over the next year and beyond of your life. If you want specifics like proper supplementation, fitness routines, how to be efficient with it, nutrition, doctors, tune into episode four and let me know what you want to hear more of because I'm happy to do a deep dive episode on those different areas too. So let's start with this. If you don't make a conscious choice now to give your health a top slot on your priority list that you are going to make in the beginning of this episode, we talked about setting your priority list. You can rest assured that this will be guaranteed. Another year that passes you by when it comes to anything from losing weight to gaining confidence to having energy or any of that other good stuff, period, end of story. That has to be the first step. Before you choose the plan, the diet, how much weight you're going to lose, the trainer, or even try to lace up your sweet new kicks on day one of your very best year that you promise you're going to live this time, you need to choose health so that when life happens, because it certainly will. You are still committed to the plan. You are still committed to the vision. When the kids are up all night, you don't choose sleeping in over that 20-minute workout in the morning. When work has you staying late because your boss is demanding, you don't choose the drive through on your way home just because it's easy. When you're traveling, you don't eat in ways that you're going to regret. When you're juggling all the things, you don't keep bumping your routine off the to-do list because you've made everything else more important than you and your health and that one body you have to operate out of. Because here's the thing. Most of us fall short in one of these areas. We don't prioritize our health, so we don't plan for it. And we set a goal, get excited about it, and we fizzle out because we really have no clue what we're doing or what we need to do next. Two, we don't actually believe we can get the end result we originally got excited about in the first place because we failed at it in the past or someone told us we can't. Or three, it's hard and it doesn't happen overnight, so we quit. What if this time we approached it differently with that long game we talked about in mind? What if we committed to our health as a priority for the next year so that going into the future, it's our habit? Not just to lose X amount of pounds and then get really pissed when we don't do it by the second week in January, or to follow that super strict diet that we know we're going to hate, but to make changes and plan as we go. We're going to go back to our calendars on this one. Your calendar should have a spot for when you're going to work out each day, when you're dedicating your time to shopping and meal prepping. And instead of saying that you're going to, quote, eat healthy and work out, what if you went into the start of your year, your year, this is your year with a plan, whether you commit to using a trainer or letting them come up with the plan for you, or you do an online program, or you stick to something that's outlined and designed with the end result you want in mind. I've told the story about when I was almost 60 pounds heavier, and I was going to the gym six days a week, and I was eating healthy, or so I thought, but I had no plan. I was winging it. Don't wing the things you want to change or improve in your life because it won't work out well for you. Since it's one of the most common things I get asked, I'll share what I do here, but if you want the full scoop, be sure you go back and dive into episode four and get my freebies that give you the tools you need, which includes a free week-long clean eating meal plan to help you get this started. I work out from home, and I do that because I can control it. At some point, seven days a week, barring traveling, I am home, which means I can dedicate time, even if it cuts into my sleep or my lunch or whatever, to work out. So I work out from home so I can stay consistent, and I follow a specific plan. That's number two, always. I'm following a plan 
I do, I already talked about this in episode four about how I do it, but I use an online kind of like a Netflix of workouts programs and I pick one and I follow the plan and I do what they tell me to do. I follow the calendar and I check off each day as I go. Three, I drink a lot of my nutrients. We know, I've already talked about, our food is stripped of their nutrients now. It sucks, but there are solutions that help boost your metabolism, that help your digestion, and that help you get to that end result you're working towards. And four is I use proper supplementation to help aid all these things. So again, check episode four, and I give way more deets. Make your health a priority. Get it on your calendar, your 90-day calendar, your one-year calendar, on your priority list, all the things. Last, but certainly not least, happiness. It's funny how I'm going to start the happiness portion of this by saying something that will likely tick off a lot of people. And I know that because it won't be the first time I said it, and it won't be the first time I get messages from people who are annoyed that I said it because they have had tough circumstances, and I'm not trying to take that away from them. But happiness is a choice. And yes, I know, trust me, I know, terrible things do happen to us. And I'm aware that it can seem impossible that you can magically choose your mood. But happiness is not just a mood. And I think that's a mistake people make. It's a state of being. There's a reason that there are people who are going through far more trying things than us, yet still have their happiness intact. Maybe not every minute of every day, but it's a practice. It's something they put into practice and they work hard at achieving that level of happiness. And the good news is that in doing what we've already talked about so far in this episode, focusing on getting your finances in order and really owning and mastering your health and your schedule and your vision for your future, that's naturally going to help you grow in your level of happiness. And I can't tell you how many times I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and everything has seemed to work against me from the second I opened my eyes. And I just naturally revert back to that victim zone where I say things like, seriously, I can't catch a break. Like I stub my toe first thing in the morning and literally everything else goes wrong. It's all my vision on the world. It's the lens I'm choosing to view my day through. And then my ever so meaning well husband reminds me to choose happiness, choose my attitude, and I want to jump across the table and destroy him. But he's right. And here's where we go wrong a lot of times. And I see it with happiness and fulfillment as much as I see it with motivation is we're waiting for it to hit us like some kind of magic lightning bolt that's going to strike us and all of a sudden we'll be happy. You can actually earn and create your own fulfillment your own happiness, your own motivation, no matter your situation, no matter what cards you've been dealt today or any other day. So we're going to focus on some key areas that are going to help you master this over the next year. So you're living more fully, feeling more joy throughout the process. Because do you ever like set the goal, set the vision, accomplish it, and don't even feel happy about it too? That's another problem. It's not just that we're falling short or we're failing. We're not even feeling through this process. Because if you're a Busy mama, let's say, getting home just in time to make dinner and get your kids into bed only to do it over the next day, it might be hard to choose happy, right? Or if you've ever started a business or a side hustle or you're working towards that dream and you feel burnt out, like you're scraping by to survive and hanging by a thread wondering if this will ever take off for you, choosing happy in that moment, it's pretty hard. But when you're fully connected to that vision in your mind that you created, In our first step today, that vision board or that idea that you're working towards, and you know why you are showing up for that thing, despite all the struggle, all of a sudden you can attach meaning to what may seem like the mundane things you do day to day. Because every big dream, every big vision requires the mundane crap. I run two businesses that I adore. They breathe life into me. 80% of the time, I'm doing crap I hate, answering emails, getting back to messages, tedious little things that could feel really meaningless, but I know the end vision. I know the mission behind it. I know why I'm showing up each day to do the things that give this vision a pulse. A workout can suck 
or you can fire yourself up, crank some music, and focus on the end result and why you're working so hard for it. How good you're going to feel, how confident you're going to be when you button those jeans from five years ago that you haven't been able to button, and you are going to strut out of that room, look at your husband and say, yeah, that's right, you got this. All of the emails, the calls, the content creating you've been plugging away on can feel boring, or they can be the stepping stones to your dream. So first, use perspective as your friend. Give yourself that reality check before you go into your tasks or your lists and remember what purpose it serves. When I am folding laundry or I am meal prepping or I am doing anything that feels or could feel like pulling teeth to me, I've created a simple practice I call joyful doing, and I'm still working my way through a list of crap I might not love, but before I start doing the things, I do these three things. One, I remember the intention behind it. What's it for? What's the purpose it ultimately serves? I'm meal prepping so that my family is thriving in their health, and it's making our lives better, easier, more energetic, and all the good things. Number two, this is something I learned from my grandmother and my mother and my family, and it's beautiful, and I'm so grateful for it. And it's this concept of offering something up for someone else. In the time that I'm doing that task or that thing that I might not normally like doing, before I start it, I think about someone in my life or in the world that might be going through something a lot harder and more trying than me. And I offer up that time and that task and that sacrifice for them. And I am a woman of faith, so I might pray during that time while I do that task for that person. And it puts so much meaning to what could be so mundane. And the third thing I do is I crank the music or I put it on podcast and I just do it. I use that time to learn or to jam out or to grow or to feel good. It's tough to be happy and fulfilled when you're not in a state of growth. So in looking at your truth, what are you choosing to do? What are you choosing not to do? And are you focused on areas of growth? That's why I throw a podcast on when I'm folding laundry. Because yeah, I might be folding laundry, but all of a sudden I'm learning about marketing or I'm learning how to be a better mother. We are happiest when we are learning and we are expanding and we're trying new things and we're working towards the next level in our lives. And it's easy, especially in the day-to-day, to get stuck in that routine and that rat race, but it's really up to us to get out of that rut. Even if our calendar looks dreary. (laughs) And we have control over that too, in some capacity. And under the category of happiness, I want to focus on relationships because we are relational beings. Even if you're introverted like me, we are still designed to be in relationship and in healthy relationships. So to the entrepreneurs who are too caught up in their little virtual worlds or the moms who only interact with little people all day or the dad who's caught up with their bosses or employees or the homebody like me who has better relationship with their TV than their friends or I used to anyway. Or to the wife who feels empty when she's sitting right beside that man she's committed her entire life to. This is where you nurture that part of you that thrives in relationship. And I attended Brendan Burchard's High Performance Academy. I've been to it a few times now. It's incredibly valuable. And he talks about the concept of having growth friends. So you have your old friends, the ones that have been around the block forever. Maybe some of them are falling to the growth friend category, but they're more your comfort zone. Then you have, I forget what he called it, but I'll call them the middle of the road friends, the ones that you make throughout life that are acquaintances and you stay connected to. And then you have your growth friends. Since we are the end result of the five people we surround ourselves with, like we are the accumulation and the substance of those five people that we are with the most. Most of our time usually falls into like old friends or that middle of the road friends. Growth friends have to be intentional. It's really hard to rock your health journey, but when you're surrounded by people who are like going out drinking every weekend, or it's tough to be focused on your business and growing your business, but you surround yourself with maybe old friends who feel threatened by your growth. So they come off judgmental about it because they don't want you to to leave them behind or you want to thrive in your faith but your friends don't have any, or you know that your marriage deserves more of you, but you surround yourself with people who don't nurture theirs. I remember a really lonely time in my life. We lived in South Boston. It's a really fun area. Like everybody just goes out and 
it's like playtime. Like you get home from work and everybody goes out and has a great time and has drinks and gets food and whatever. And I was in this stage of growing my business and really mastering my health. And I felt so lonely because I felt this pull away from the friends I once had who were not in the same place as me as far as honoring those priorities. And that's not a judgment on them. We were just in different places. And there was this major friction because I realized that I couldn't surround myself with them all the time and still honor what I wanted to work towards. And it was painful. I remember calling my mom in tears, feeling like I had nobody. I had no friends. I had no people who wanted to be around me because the ones that were still calling me to come out didn't understand why I wanted to dedicate so so much time to this business and this thing I was growing. And when I would go out, I had the ones that were making fun of me because I wasn't drinking as much as them or eating the chicken wings at the bar with them. And it sounds silly, but it was hard. And I had to find those growth friends that encouraged me to continue to go for my dream. It's not that I left the other ones behind. It's just that I also needed the ones that were going to help me nurture the areas of my life that meant so much to me at that time. And if I was going to become the person I wanted to become without having to do it as a total lonely island, I needed to seek out other people who were accepting and encouraging of my dreams. And I knew whenever I was surrounding myself with new people, I wanted to be the dumbest person in the room. I wanted to learn from people. I wanted to grow by watching their example. And that was a really tough time in my life, a really lonely time in my life, a big transition. And it served me tremendously. I wouldn't trade in all those tears or those years of feeling alone in the process to get to where I am now because it taught me so much. And in addition to just who you surround yourself with, what are you absorbing? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are the messages you're choosing to take in? The drama TV show that makes you hate your hubby because he's not Jack Pearson from This Is Us? Not fair to your hubby, by the way. Or the books that are actually about nurturing your marriage and how you're choosing to grow and change first in your marriage versus looking at some fictional character and thinking about all the ways you wish your husband would change. Happiness is going to be part attitude, part how you react to the crap balls of life that are thrown at you, and part what you do. And you need to choose what you're absorbing and what you're listening to and what you're watching or what you're choosing not to watch so that you can get more of the good. You will find you're happy when you know what you're working for and you feel yourself committed to that thing. You will find you're happy when you don't feel like you're quitting on yourself again, but instead committing to yourself. You will find you're happy when you surround yourself with people who make you better, who challenge you, who push you, who don't accept mediocrity out of you. And you will find you're happy when your body is in alignment with your mind and your vision is in alignment with your actions. All of this is easy to say, to write down, to get fired up about, to create a vision board on, but too many of us ultimately choose easy. We might start with commitment to this and then we quit. And Easy never equals prosperous. So we get to choose our challenge. We get to choose our challenging. A hard workout or out of breath on the stairs and no clothes that fit us. Up early to work that business you know you're being called to or another day in a job you hate. Another 30 years in a job you hate. Swallowing your ego for the sake of your marriage or arguing and emptiness. Setting the intention of patience with your kids when you're dealing with them and working with them or another argument that ends in you yelling. Not spending on things that don't serve you or living with the stresses of debt. Do the work up front or live a reactive life. Do the work up front or never achieve the dream. Do the work up front or blend in with the masses. Do the work up front or choose a life of easy but regret. This is a powerful shift. You are an incredible fork in the road. And these are some things that you can do to create that prosperous nature in your life, not just for the next 365 days, for the rest of your existence. As you live out those dreams, as you go after that vision, 
and to help you live your best year, no, actually, to make this the launching pad for the rest of your life, I've created my seven-day ditch-your-day-job planner to help that go-getter who knows in their heart they are made for more take their lives next level. And through this seven-day program, we create the blueprint for getting you out of that job that isn't your calling and into that passion that pays. So make sure you check out the show notes and visit elizabethhartke.com forward slash podcast forward slash 006 for today's show notes and to VIP access to my seven day ditch your day job planner and the freebies for today's episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Go prosper over this next year and into your future. I believe in you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing frommies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.